before we get started, I wanted to pop in with another reminder and a personal invitation to you to join me in my free workshop this Sunday, Define Your Decade, Gain Clarity and Next Steps on Your Dream, No Overwhelm Included. You can head on over to kelseychapman.com slash workshop for all the details and to save your spot. I would love to have you there. Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Melissa Lynn joining us. You will hear from this conversation that although we previously didn't know one another, we became fast friends over our shared love of helping people make steps towards their dreams. Guys, if you have a big dream in your heart, if you are wanting to start your own business, you're going to want to listen to this one because Melissa shares what it was like to transition from her nine to five as a chemical engineer into building the five figure per month business she runs today. She shares it all and I so appreciate her honesty and candidness. I love Melissa, and I know you will too. So let's get to it. Hey, Melissa. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you and your audience. Thanks Yay. for joining us. We are pumped to have you on. I have been like down a rabbit hole. I can't wait to hear more of your story, but I've loved really getting to know you online. But I would love for you to start by introducing yourself to the Radiant Tribe, telling them a little bit about your story, who you are, what to do. I can't wait for yes. them to hear more. Okay, so ladies... And gentlemen, <laughs> everyone listening, Radiant Tribe, you're getting the long version. So get ready. It's actually not that long, but I'm going to go into all of the details and I'm sure things will come up as we go. So my name is Melissa Lynn. I'm a full-time business coach in the online space. I have been doing this full-time for quite some time and I'm just going to start at the beginning. We're going to go way back. So I was really brought up the traditional route which so many of us were. And I'm going to go back even further. So I'm half Chinese. And my grandparents, they came over here from Hong Kong before I was born. And when they came over, I was born, yada, yada, yada. They literally knew just a few words in English. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. They knew and would tell me over and over the words doctor and husband. So that was my future for me. Become a doctor, go marry a husband who can support you. So my parents really pushed me as I started to grow up in high school. Like I was the nerd. I was that weirdo. I loved being the weirdo, but I was the nerd. I was taking college classes at 11 years old. I was tutoring college students at 12, like all of the things just going, going, going. I learned pretty quickly I couldn't handle blood. And so I transitioned to kind of an engineering route. And luckily, my grandparents were okay with that. They they settled for engineer. And I went to college and I graduated college for, uh, with chemical engin- a chemical engineering degree. And one of the big reasons why my parents pushed me so hard for this degree, I was great at math, I was great at science, but there was just so much opportunity in their mindset for their daughter having a chemical engineering degree. 
And I can go into all of the things, the different fields I worked in. I worked in so many different fields once I graduated college with my degree. I was in the nine to five for about five or six years, uh, really just grinding and hustling my my early mid-20s and really, really wasn't happy. But I worked at some of the coolest, coolest places. I do have to say that's one really cool thing about being in my nine to five. I worked at some really cool spots. I worked at a chemical plant. I was at the largest winery in the world that had such great perks, like a paper plant, window plant, and all of the things. And it was so cool. But like, oh, I had everything from the outside looking in. I was even married back then. So married, um, then divorced. I am now with um, my partner now, who is somebody different. And we can definitely go into that if if that wants to come up. But I had everything. I had the job. I had the husband. I like sh- should have been happy. And I wasn't. I was working and slaving 12, 15-hour days in my engineering job. I was working weekends, literally in the plant, like throughout Thanksgiving weekend, like all the holidays. I was on call 24-7. I literally had no life. And I really thought to myself, like, is this really it? Is this what I'm going to be doing? Am I really not going to go and visit Europe until I gr- until I retire? Because I only had a week of vacation every year. There's no way I could make it over there and back in a week. So I just, I didn't know what to do. And I had all of these big dreams. Like my dream bubble was so big. I wanted to be able to travel six months out of the year because I had never left North America and this was 2018. I'd never left North America. I just didn't know what to do. I wanted, I really want to just give back to the community, give back to the world, fund charities, start my own charity at some point soon. And so by 2018, I had never left North America, but I was starting to have these feelings in 2014. And that's when I started to realize, okay, what can I do to start to shift out of this? Like I've got to be able to make some changes because even if I stay in my nine to five as a chemical engineer, I was thinking about getting my MBA, I would have been capped off at an income in the next five years or so, probably at 150 a year. And that might sound like a lot of money to a lot of people, but for everything I want to accomplish in this world, it's nothing. It's not even close to what I need to start a charity and fund and help build towns and schools and just really give back to the world. So I knew I had to do one of two things. I either had to squish my dream bubble or do something about the way I was going to fund those dreams. So there's no way in this world I was going to squish my dream bubble. No way. So I did something and I started to play around. And back in 2014, I was really into fitness. So I was doing bikini competitions while I was working in my nine to five, sleeping away. So I really had no time for any kind of social life. Um, But I was on social media and people were starting to reach out to me and asking for lifestyle help and health and fitness help. And so I started an online fitness business, coaching business, and did that for quite a few years on the side. My first year or two were a hot mess, train wreck, doing all the things, going to Google every day. How do I get more clients? How do I do this? How do I do that? And then I finally invested in myself, hired my first coach, did some group programs, courses, and really got going with my side business. And then said bye to my nine to five in 2018. It was the scariest thing ever. So happy I did it. My life is just completely transformed and I'm 
really living my dream life right now. And it's going to continue to grow and grow. Um, and then I actually transitioned. And so I mentioned that I was really close to getting an MBA. I've always worked, all the companies I worked at, I've always been into the business side. Like the owners, CEO would always pull me in and bring me in and see the business side so I could learn. I was so close to getting my MBA and I was just always interested in business. And so I was able to grow my fitness business and as, as I was doing that, so many of my friends who were also in the online space wanted help. And so I started to do that. And I just felt so much more of a draw towards the business side foundations and helping them grow their businesses. So I did something to try and figure out, okay, am I making a shift? What am I going to do? I started a free Facebook group just for business. And what I saw and noticed was I was going into my business free Facebook group and adding value and teaching and going live way more often than my fitness uh, group. So such a vast difference. Yeah. So I, I knew right away that I needed to make a shift. And so I made a very messy shift when people ask me <laughs> about my transition Oh my goodness. It was so messy. I'm so happy I did it. I literally just flipped the switch overnight. The next morning I told all my fitness clients, Hey, so we're going to be wrapping up at the end of these 12 weeks. And then I just went full force into business because I knew it was my passion. And so I've been full time in business coaching for a little over two years now. And it's just, Oh, it's what I love. I don't see myself shifting too much more, at least not anytime soon. I, I just love what I do so much. So that's kind of my full story. I've been full-time since. I've just been traveling the world. I travel at least every other month. Let's see, 2018, I left North America for the first time. And I was 28 years old. So 28, finally leaving North America. I went to Japan. I went to Spain, Morocco. Uh, last This last year, I went to Bali. I went to Italy. And then this year already, we've got quite a few exciting trips. I'm going to Tulum in two weeks. I believe we'll be going to Greece or Bali again. Um, just so many exciting trips coming up. And it's because I've created the lifestyle that I've been wanting. And it's just, it's so possible for all you listeners. Like, this is so possible. All you have to do is, is choose and decide that that's what you want to create. And then you go out there and take action. You can make it happen. Girl. I'm not special. I am not special. I'm that weird math girl and just not anything that my parents expected. And <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. I love you, dad. I love you, mom. It's so funny. My dad came up to visit me. I live in Seattle right now. And he came to visit me uh, about a week ago to just hang out. We had like a father daughter day and he still even nudged me. He's like, okay, Mel, like, how's the business doing? Like you've still got your engineering degree. Have you thought about like going back and doing that? It's just, it's, always just been so stuck in my parents head love you mom love you dad but that I'm not taking the safe route right now and it, it's all good it's actually funny because about a month or two after I left my engineering job they got rid of the entire engineering team oh, so my gosh. yes yep. so my my job was not safe my job was not secure 
I took a risk and it was definitely a great risk. I'm so happy I did it. So in a nutshell, that's my story. I Well, I would love to touch on that real quick. You know, sometimes we get these nudges that it's time to transition. It's time to quit. It's time to leave or to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we listen. It sounds like you listened in this instance. <laughs> but sometimes we just stay because it's too scary to leave. But that mm-hmm. when that happens, I've certainly had seasons where I felt a nudge that it was time to transition, but where I was at felt really safe. I just wasn't ready yet. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I was ready, even though I knew it was time to make the next step. And the, <laughs> the bandaid is ripped off for you. And so it sounds like if you wouldn't have, you know, actually listened to your intuition and left when it was kind of on your heart to leave um, mm-hmm. and instead waited, the decision would have been made for you. And that's a little more yeah. painful than actually making the decision for yourself. <laughs> I've uh, certainly walked both paths. More frequently, <laughs> I walk the path where the decision is made for me because I just dig yeah. my feet in the mud and wait and know this is the safer route, more responsible. But sometimes mm-hmm. kind of that nudge into what's next is actually your best bet. And it's scary. Yeah. So what did it feel like leaving your day job and were you terrified did you save up a nest egg you know I know we have a lot of listeners like in this position and we are ingrained Mm -hmm. from the time we are little girls we play the game Mm -hmm. of life and we can choose the college route or we can choose (laughs) you know the other route but you know if we take the college route then we'll get a higher paying job and then we'll stay in that job and add First, you know, a spouse to the car and then the children, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like literally our board games even condition us to like take that route. And so, you know, what did you feel like leaving and how did you muster up the courage to do it? Oh, I'm so happy you asked this question because it's probably not what anyone's going to expect. When I decided to leave, it it was on my own, but it also wasn't. And so I'll backtrack a little bit. I was living with my boyfriends, like still boyfriend at the time, right now. And we live together and, you know, we share finances when it comes to like rent and groceries and things like that. And so we wanted to be logical about me leaving if it was going to happen. So we looked at each other one night and we started to like map out and put a budget together. Okay, babe, how much do we need? Like how much should we save up before you leave? Okay, cool. Six months. Awesome. We've, that's no problem. So I got to six months pretty quickly, savings, ready to go. We looked at each other. We reevaluated. You know what? Let's just get to eight months. Eight months will feel great. Then you can leave. We both agreed. We got to eight months. What do you think happened? We're like, okay, 10 months. Got there. Okay, 12 months. We just kept pushing it off and off because I was so scared and we were just so comfortable. But it was actually an outside perspective. We had some entrepreneur friends and we were grabbing dinner with them. And I was telling them about how great I was doing in my side business. They looked at me and they're like, Melissa, what are you doing? Like, why have you not left yet? And I started to kind of put two and two together. It's like, you know what? I actually can't take any more clients on until I leave. Like, I have no more space. I was taking client calls on my lunch. I think like I was hustling and getting it done because um, I was going to provide and support my girls. Like, they're everything to me. So it was actually that outside perspective that helped me. And I went in, not the very next day, but about two days later, it was pretty quick after I heard that perspective. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. What's the worst that could happen? Worst case, like I'll go work at a coffee shop 
part-time if I have to, but that's not going to happen because I'm going to make this work. But my two weeks in, it was the scariest moment ever. Oh, I was just so emotional. I like gave my two weeks. I was shaking the entire time. I, I mean, I also worked in a completely like male dominated world. So I was just like terrified walking around anyways, but I put my two weeks in and ran to the bathroom upstairs and I was just bawling. And then I was bawling all night long. And my boyfriend's like, babe, why are you crying? You should be the happiest girl in the world. Like I want to leave my job. Like give me this. Um, and it was just such an emotional time because I was making such a big shift and I didn't tell my parents for over two months. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I had warned them it might be coming like, Hey, I've got this business on the side. It's doing well. This might happen warning you, but I didn't actually tell them until about two months later. And it was, <laughs> they're so supportive, but they still make those comments here and there. But I mean, that's, they were, they've gone 650, 60 years with this mindset of job, security, retirement, vacation. It's only two weeks, you know? So yeah, it was absolutely terrifying, but oh, it was the best thing I could have ever done. And kind of back to what you were mentioning of like, it's, you know, risky. It's also risky not taking that chance. It's risky staying in your nine to five, because so much is possible when you do take that leap. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. And for me, pleasing my parents has been a very big part of my journey. And I think that's something we don't always talk about online because it almost sounds like high schoolish. Um, <laughs> but like it is so integral to like the decisions I make. Like there is no one I like to make proud, like my dad and my accountant. <laughs> so <laughs> I just like, you know, it is not, it's not high schoolish. If you find yourself thinking through this, I think a lot of us actually really struggle with this, especially if you had, you know, parents who, who have been really involved or maybe not involved. Yeah. I mean, it really could be with any, any story, you could have that underlying tone of, I just want to make my parents proud or this person in my life proud. And really mm -hmm. they're probably not psychoanalyzing your life like you are. And sometimes mm -hmm. it also just takes time. Like for me, um, pleasing my dad and, and my mom too, but my dad, you know, is the one who still asks. My mom doesn't always, you know, say, are you thinking of looking for something else? It took my dad, you know, now reading my book, which I just sent him a first draft of. And until it was even physical, he's known I have a book deal for a year now. He mm -hmm. knew I wrote it. He knew I turned the manuscript in, but until it was physically in his hands, he, I, he really would always go back to, you know, are you going to go back to a day job? And mm -hmm. he called me this weekend and was like, this is what you're meant to do. And so now oh. he can see, you know, oh, everything I've been doing behind the scenes, a digital business is just not tangible for like our parents' yeah. generation. Like it, exactly. it feels so non-physical. And so it's really hard for them to grasp because like mm -hmm. computers and using them you know, on a daily basis in your home has, have really only been around for like 25 years. You know, I remember yeah. our first Mac desktop in my house, but like, you know, people still weren't using them that frequently and certainly not for business until like the year 2000. So 20 yeah. years. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they started their careers without any of these options, but it's, 
So like rationally, you can understand why it's so hard for them to understand, but Mm -hmm. it can be defeating and stressful. And like, you just want to make them proud and show them like, Hey, I'm I'm literally making more than I made at my old job. (laughs) This, this is a real job, dad. Um, Working way less. Yes. Working way less. And so, and then my dad will make comments like, Oh, I wish I could go on vacations like you do. And it's like, it's a work trip, dad. Um, And so it's, it's funny because the struggle is so real there. Yeah, 100%. It's so hard. Like we love our parents so, so much. And I think the one thing that really helped with my mindset shift is that with that, just because I really dealt with it because it really, my parents were there for me for everything, you know, helping me as I was like in this crazy, crazy thing in high school where I was like already taking college classes at 11 years old. Oh my God. Like literally supporting me, driving me everywhere, like from middle school to the college back, like really supporting me through all of it. And so it was really hard because I didn't want them to feel like that was just a huge waste of their time. But like all of that led me to this. And something that's really helped me with just my whole mindset shift is love you, mom, love you, dad. But you guys don't have the life I want. So I can't just be here to please you. Right. Like my dad has never, I don't think he's ever left North America. Love you, dad. Let's get you over to Europe. Like I'll take you on a trip there next year. Um, But like they don't have the lifestyle I want. They don't have the life I want, the business, the relationships. And so love you, mom, love you, dad. But I'm not going to always take your advice or do what you want me to do. Like I'm going to go and follow others and utilize them as mentors. It's hard because they were mom and dads and they provided us for so much for so much of our lives. They like, they knew everything. Like they could never get hurt when we were younger. They were like King and queen. So they, they had everything. It's it's definitely hard to make that shift. It's a big shift. And it's also, I mean, have you found that shift to be similar with some of your friends? You know, I certainly have friends that Mm -hmm. get it, especially Mm -hmm. that have like dabbled in the online space or run Mm -hmm. an online business or have a family member. And and I think our generation is more accustomed to online businesses, Mm -hmm. but I certainly had friends who truly just thought it was a sweet little blog and had no idea that I ran something that made more than my day job. And and sometimes you'd be at a party or someone would introduce you and they're like, oh yeah, they have a blog. And it's like, I actually read a like multiple six figure online business, but thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So such a great question. <laughs> I definitely have, I have some friends who get it, um, but they're the friends who've like dabbled into the online space themselves a little bit because they eventually want to get out of their nine to fives because they hate it so much. But I also have friends who don't get it. And I'll give you an example. This was about a year and a half ago or so. One of my best guy friends from college, like we went through our engineering degree together, like best of friends, reached out to me as I was really ramping up full-time in my online business. Like already had surpassed six figures, hitting multiple six figures. And he's like, Melissa, like I like think you're crazy for have having left your engineering job. Like, you are absolutely insane. I don't support you. This is not going to work. And, like, we just, I had to let that relationship, like, go because I'm not going to let someone hold me back. And this person actually reached out to me 
uh, maybe eight or nine months later and was like, you know what, Melissa, I'm so unhappy in my nine to five. Like, I'm so sorry. You're doing so well. Thank you are such a role model for me. And so at the end of the day, it was, it was just a perception of how he was feeling in his life and nothing to do with me. And so anytime I do have friends or people who don't get it, I just, I know it's okay. It's okay if they don't get it. Like they've got their own stuff. They're learning. They have different mindset than I do. So it's okay if they don't get it. But there are so many people out there who do get it. There are so many like events that you can go to. Like, I try and go to at least one live event every quarter just so I can surround myself with other people who get it, other like-minded women. I I totally love that you do that and that as a suggestion for our listeners, it doesn't have to be the most expensive life event. It can be a mm-hmm. local writers meetup, a local uh-huh. entrepreneurs meetup. Honeybook mm-hmm. has a meetup for entrepreneurs in every city every month. I mean, every mm-hmm. major city. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't make promises about you know smaller towns, but find your people because they will mm-hmm. be the ones that keep pushing you that keep you motivated when it gets really hard because I will say like the online industry it definitely is an ever-changing landscape people don't Mm -hmm. prepare you for that because things change algorithms change which decrease search rates you know any little thing can change in any little moment that adjusts your ability to market yourself or your services and so finding your tribe who who gets it, who can share yeah. like, Hey, this is what worked for me. And Hey, work with this person. They'll take care of you for a good price. You know, mm-hmm. I have been so thankful for events and they have connected me with some of my best friends in this industry. Oh yeah. 100%. 100%. And that is wild that you had your friends say that to you. Like, I am so sorry, but I think it's a perfect yeah. illustration of sometimes the things people say when they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, they don't know better. It's not a acceptable behavior, but they just don't know how hurtful it can be and and how um, diminishing it can be to your career. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God's up to here at the Radiant Podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their Part in the Mess podcast, made for those navigating the messiness of parenting. Part of the Mess seeks to equip parents with trusted biblical guidance, helping them to raise their children with strength and joy in a changing and often challenging culture. With guests like Bob Goff, Jamie Ivey, and Priscilla Shire, this podcast is for just about everyone. You can sign up for weekly Part of the Mess podcast blogs and subscribe to Part of the Mess podcast episodes at partofthemess.org. Hey, I'm popping in mid-segment again to remind you to head on over to kelseychapman.com slash workshop to save your spot in next week's training, Define Your Decade. We're going to gain clarity and figure out those next steps to take on your dream. No overwhelm included. This is a free class and I want you there. So pause this episode, head on over and sign up to save your spot. For any of you listening, just know like 
no one is a stranger to those kind of comments. And so you're not alone if you feel diminished or if you feel like what you're working on um, is hard to convey to the people around you because they're just working off the knowledge they have. And this is a newer landscape. And so you made the transition. One thing you kind of mentioned throughout kind of sharing your story was your dream bubble. Can you kind of illustrate what that is and and expand upon that? Because I, I found it really interesting and I'm like, oh, what is that an exercise? what's a dream bubble context clues I picked up on that like it's your dreams but tell us more yes so I I literally just draw a circle on a piece of paper I just write all my dreams in there and when I first did it I noticed I thought I only had a few dreams of like travel and make more money. And then I would start to like fill it in and I would run out of room. So I had to draw a bigger circle, bigger circle, bigger circle. And so it's really just my big bubble of everything I want to accomplish in this world, everything I really want to do, how I want to live my life, how I want my relationships to be, who I want to be in those relationships. So it's really everything I want to create and everything that I just want in my life. And so there's nothing like too sciencey to it. Draw a circle on a piece of paper, make it a big one because you've got big dreams. There's a lot that you can fill in there and you're probably going to find yourself drawing an even bigger circle pretty soon. And don't keep it too small. I love that. Now, have you ever run into the problem of like, I don't even know what to put here. Like, have you ever had times where you felt like, I know I have dreams, but they're not coming to the forefront of my mind. A perfect example is one of my best friends is we're just wired a little differently. And I certainly Mm -hmm. have times where I run into this roadblock where Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to put, you know, or I don't know what's holding me back. I don't have the words for it, but my friend will, will be doing like a dreaming exercise. I'm supposed to be coming up with like 25 dreams and she'll Mm -hmm. be like, add to Google after dream three, you know? And so she's like, I literally was Googling what are people's dreams and thought maybe it'll prompt me for what my dreams are. But like, do you ever run into that roadblock? Sometimes I do. And if I do, um, I ran into it more when I was my nine to five, just because, I I didn't know it was possible back then. I I literally like was living in this small nine to five world. I didn't realize like multiple six figures was possible for me and then seven figures very soon. So what I like to do or what I was doing back then was I would like sit down and think to myself, okay, if I didn't have this nine to five, if I had no obligations today, this week, this month, what would I go and do? Like, what would I be doing? And then things started to come together for me. Like, oh, I would probably want to travel. Like, I really want to go to Thailand. I live in Thailand for a month. I want to go to Bali for a few months. I want to go and just travel all throughout Europe. Like, if I had no obligations, what in the world would I want to do with my time? If I had no money limit, like, what would I want to spend my money on? Um, And how would I want to just give to the world? So those are some of the questions I would start to ask myself. And then my bubble started to fill up pretty quickly. And then ask yourself, like, okay, how can it be bigger? Like, a lot of my girls, I ask them, okay, what's next for you? What are you thinking? I'm like, well... I maybe want to hit like maybe 5k months. Like, no, we're going to be dreaming bigger. Like you can definitely hit that. Let's get bigger. What's next? What's next? How can we make that bigger? Because so many of us, we dream small. And when we dream small, we're like, that's our cap. And we want to expand that as big and as much as we can over and over and over. 
Man, it sounds like you have such a gift for cultivating dreams and people. What's your, do you know your Enneagram number? I believe I'm, I've, I have to retake it because it's been quite a while. I believe I'm a two. Oh, yes. A, oh, like the ultimate encourager. Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes so much sense. I love it. Yes, well, I'm a huge supporter. I'm a big supporter. <laughs> well, it sounds like you have such a gift for cultivating dreams. Do you think that when you were in your nine to five and you found it harder to dream, do you think it was because of lack of margin? Like you were just maxed out because I find that to be a huge stumbling block in my creative process and my dreaming process. And if I don't have margin, those are the times my ability to dream is the least. Yeah. It's like, I'm so, I'm so type A I love to just fill my schedule. And so I just, I had no time to think about it, but I think the big thing I just, most of my life I was so sheltered. I was very sheltered growing up. So like I never traveled. I didn't know what was possible. I think that's the biggest thing for me for why like I if I ever got stuck with what the dreams were. Um, I remember when I was in my nine to five, like one of my first years, I was working with a few guys who were um, I was a huge like I was a project manager at the time. So I was working back and forth with some companies in Europe and they came over and they were telling me about how they get like two months off a year and they get to travel and they get naps during the day and just all of these things that I had no idea were even possible for a company to give you two months of vacation a year. Like that sounded absurd. And so I just didn't know it was possible until I started to hear other things that people were doing. So now, like if any of you hit my social media, I am always talking about the things I'm doing. So I want to show you what's possible, what can happen, what you can achieve. Oh, I love that. I love that you highlight possibility for people because sometimes when you're feeling just stuck, you need someone to show you and guide you the way. I mean, everyone here knows I'm a big fan of mentorship. And Mm -hmm. so that almost serves as like your virtual mentor, your virtual cheerleader, showing Mm -hmm. you the way, guiding the way and showing you what's possible for your life. So what are some of the objections you most frequently see in the work you do with people, like Mm -hmm. with people not feeling like something's possible for them, not knowing where to start for totally feeling stuck in the trenches pursuing their dreams? Yeah. Um, a lot of things I hear is, well, I don't have the time. I don't have the time right now. I've got to focus on this. Um, I don't have the money to start a business when like an online business, there's like literally no overhead until you like really get up and get started and start to add automation and hiring. But like you can hit your first 10 K months with probably no overhead. Um, but those are usually the biggest. And then I just, like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to build a business. And so kind of the how, the step-by-step, how to start, when's the best time to start, what do I start with? There are so many things to be doing. Nobody really knows what the focus should be when they're when they're wanting to start. Those are usually the biggest objections. I think that's very true for my own journey too, of like, you know, mm-hmm. I got started when I was a barista. And so my husband was a barista as well. It was a really fun season of life. But as you can imagine, (laughs) we didn't exactly have a ton of uh, extra cash to be investing in a business. (laughs) And so I had to really do a lot myself, bootstrap it. But like, if you can put the time in, and if you can find someone, even if they're like a free virtual mentor, you just consume everything Mm -hmm. you have on the internet, you can have someone guide you and show you the way. And then when you are making some money, you can invest and hire someone. 
someone to guide yeah. and show you the way, mm-hmm. which obviously you and I are passionate about because we're kind of in the same space and we do similar things. Yeah. So one thing that you are so good at that I am not so good at is selling. <laughs> Ta- let's talk about sales because it can be so uncomfortable to sell your work, but really mm-hmm. it can, that's come, comes down to a matter of like believing that what you offer is valuable. Yeah. And so yep. can you kind of hit, hit us with some truth on like really weeding out limiting beliefs, but also just the practical side of how do you sell so well on social media? Yes. I love this because I've, I've worked on my sales mindset just for so long that sales, if you hit my social media, I'm selling daily, but selling does not mean that you have to get on Instagram stories every day and say, Hey, I'm a coach. Come work with me. There are so many ways to be selling, but before we can even think about sales strategy, we've got to work on sales mindset, right? If you don't believe selling is a positive thing, you're going to subconsciously avoid it altogether. So we've got to work on your mindset, right? If we believe promoting is bad, we're going to avoid doing it. We're going to procrastinate. We're not going to be showing up online. If we think we're ripping people off, we're not going to want to promote. We're not going to want to get on sales calls because we're going to be afraid to handle objections. And the minute someone says no, we're going to be like, oh, okay, so great chatting with you, Kelsey, maybe next time. (laughs) And if that happens, we're not going to get clients and we're not going to get any sales. Um, And at the end of the day, like the sale doesn't even start until you hear your first no. So we first have to really change our beliefs and then work on the strategies and then work on the tactics. So we want to start to rewrite those stories, so many beliefs you have right now that aren't serving you. So if you feel that selling is bad, I want you to start to shift that story into selling is helping, selling is serving. If you're not out there telling people about your gift and how you can help them transform, like they're going to be stuck. And so we're doing a disservice by not selling and by not sharing our offer because they're going to be stuck. No idea how to move forward. And we're really being selfish by not selling because we're keeping our gift to ourselves. We're not sharing all of that transformation with everyone else. If you feel like promoting is rude, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm giving you the promotion slip. Promoting is necessary to run a business. Like you have to sell to have a business without it. It's just a hobby. So really starting to shift the mindset about sales first. And then as you mentioned, really believing that your product or your service is so valuable. Like if you don't fully believe in it, it's going to come across online and people can feel that. Like people can feel it. If you're not confident, if your posture is off, like if you're avoiding looking at the camera, even on sales, I do all my sales calls on zoom. And so like people can sense that so easily. So it's like a dog sensing a storm. It's so easy to sense that. And so you really want to be so confident in it, but also find a way where it feels good to you, right? If, if selling in the DMs doesn't feel good to you, don't do it. It can work. I think I've sold like over a $12,000 package, package in the DMs and so much is possible, but you've got to find a way that works for you. Like all of it works. So first sales mindset Now for actual like strategies and tactics, like selling can happen in so many different ways. When you're posting content, for example, I've had so many girls reach out to me 
uh, like months after I've posted a certain post because they're going back and they're lurking and they're creeping. And that one post three months ago really resonated with them. So then they reach out. And remember, like people are always looking for every one person that reaches out to you. There's 20 more lurking around that are afraid to reach out. They're like scared to admit that they want to change. They're afraid of the work it's going to take to change. And so we really just need to connect with our audience because selling is all about human connection, right? People aren't going to buy from you if they don't like, know, or trust you. So we get to create that like, no trust factor. So for the longest time, on my stories, my Instagram stories, I used to only talk about business. And I asked myself a question, like, does my audience really know me? Do they know how to make me laugh? Do they know what to get me on my birthday? Like, Do they know my favorite animal? They do now. I have a one-eyed cat. Her name is Pearl and she's sitting right in front of me. Oh my gosh, I and love she's, <laughs> I love her so much. She's all over my stories. But people need to get to know you and they need to trust you at a human level before they're going to even be close to trusting you at a business level. And so, as I mentioned, like selling can happen everywhere, your content, when you're talking to people in the DMs or even in the comments of your posts and your captions, like people are starting to build that trust with you. It takes anywhere from seven to 12 touch points to go from a lead to a paying client. And so a touch point could be a like or a comment on their caption. A touch point could be a conversation in the DMs. A bigger touch point would be seeing you and interacting with you on a live video, right? The more like human touch, the more human interaction, the higher the touch point with you. Like a sales call would be even more. I would count that as like three or four touch points. And so selling can happen in so many ways um, all of the time, all of the time. Well, I love that. And I love what you kind of your own process of saying, does my audience know me? Do they know what makes me laugh? Do they know what I'd like for my birthday? I think, Mm -hmm. you know, connectedness is so important in the sales process because the reality is, is these days you can throw a rock and hit a business coach, but what sets the one you or me or our listeners want to work with apart is your essence. And it might be just Mm -hmm. that little nuance of like, oh, we've walked a really similar path. And so she's the best fit for me, even though this other person is a similar kind of business coach, you know, a perfect example for me is I hopped on a sales call with someone. They read word for word, a competitor's post, which I hate the word competitor, but another kind of coach. She had a way bigger online presence than me. She's for all, you know, reasoned all, you know, social media follower reasons seemed Mm -hmm. more reputable and like she had more clout and credibility than me. We offered kind of the same thing, but she read word for word one of my posts and said, but this resonates with me more. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we get hung up on like, well, I'm not there yet. Or that person is so much more established than me, but it's really like who you are that sets you apart Mm -hmm. so often. And so I love your process and like your heart behind sales. And Mm -hmm. you're right. If it's an opportunity to serve someone and to help them move forward in life and you're not offering because you're scared or you don't feel capable or qualified or selling is just uncomfortable, you're, you're also doing them a disservice aside from yourself. And so I loved everything you had to say, man, Melissa, 
Where can everyone find you? Where can they keep up with you? If they want to work with you, tell us all the places. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So you can find me. I'm all over Instagram. My handle is the Melissa Lynn L I N. I also have a free Facebook group. I go live weekly. So much content. I'm such a giver. I add so much value. And my group is the fierce business babes. So you just search that on Facebook. And then my website is the So nice and simple. Well, Melissa, it has been such a joy to have you on today, truly. And thank you for joining us. I'm sure our Radiant listeners are going to want to keep up. So until next time. Yeah, thank you so much. I had so much fun. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Get your holiday shopping done early at Macy's One Day Sale with deals of the day priced so low you don't need a coupon. Winter is here, so get ready with cold weather essentials $19.99 to $29.99 and cozy boots 40 to 50% off. Then snuggle up with a three-piece comforter set for just $19.99. Plus, get $10 in Macy's money for every $50 spent. Now at Macy's. For details, visit macys.com slash macysmoney. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.